You're listening to the GameStreet.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor, Editor-in-Chief, and I'm joined, as always, by Managing Editor Brendan Sinclair. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm tired, James. This keeps happening. You're tired? Standard. Fair enough. I like that. I'm just glad that I don't have an, an off-the-cuff question to, to throw at you because uh, I don't think you'd quite survive it. It's not like the Facebook Meta attempt at an organic intro last week. Oh, oh, is that? Are we talking about that today? No, no, Good. we are not talking about that today. We have, we have two other stories to talk about. Uh, but before we dive into those, we are also joined by staff writer Jeffrey Rousseau. How are you? Hello, I'm I'm doing well. Uh, I hope I'm coherent today with our conversations. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Coherence would much, much be appreciated uh, because we have got two two fairly big stories to start uh, to talk about this week. Uh, first one, we're going to be talking about Activision Blizzard. Now, as anyone who's been listening to the podcast or following the industry in any kind of capacity knows, Activision Blizzard is under quite a lot of scrutiny, to, to put it mildly. Uh, it's facing multiple lawsuits and investigations and all of these things into its, uh, its workplace culture. Uh, there's complaints of, you know, civil rights and equal pay laws, discrimination and harassment. It's all very well documented. Um, But the company has actually issued perhaps its strongest response so far since the first lawsuit was filed back in July. So Bobby Kotick did a kind of an announcement of various things the companies are going to do. First off, or at least the one that a lot of people have kind of latched onto, is he has asked uh, asked the board of directors to reduce his salary and his compensation to the lowest possible amount allowed under California law. Uh, which is $62,500. So obviously that's like minimum wage for his level of, of position. Um, he is going to be on this salary, uh, and I quote, until the board has determined that we have achieved the transformational gender-related goals and other commitments. He then listed five of those commitments. So the company is now introducing a new company-wide zero-tolerance harassment policy with tougher rules and consistent monitoring, any employee found to have retaliated against anyone for making a complaint will be immediately terminated. Uh, it is Activision aims to increase the percentage of women and non-binary people working at the company by 50% within the next five years. And also in that times frame is going to invest $250 million into accelerating opportunities for diverse talent. Although as far as I'm aware, they haven't actually specified what that means. Over the next 10 years, Activision is going to invest an additional $250 million into initiatives that foster expanded opportunities in gaming and technology for underrepresented communities. Uh, It is also wavering the required arbitration of sexual harassment and discrimination claims uh, and doing annual uh, salary transparency reports although Brendan I believe you picked up on the wording there of the wavering of the arbitration is it's it's specifically about future arbitration uh, future cases future cases will not need to use arbitration but the current and past ones there that's still a clause in the contract that's our understanding is that right yeah yeah it's it's kind of like n- no mandatory arbitration we we hear you this is awful it's terrible practice and we're going to stop doing it starting now uh, yeah, and it, it's it's kind of like what Riot Games did, right? Uh, after after their uh, sexual harassment workplace environment scandal blew up, they decided like, you know what, mandatory arbitration? No, we're we're getting rid of that. And then like a year and a half later in court, they're saying, yeah, so we're we didn't put it on the new contracts, but on the old ones, we still want to enforce those. Yeah. Uh, and earlier this year, they were still arguing in court to enforce those mandatory arbitration clauses, which, which is just I, I, I don't know how like shamelessly insincere you can be about these things, because like it, it's great to do things to prevent future victims. Um, but you've still got all these actual existing victims that you kind of have to be accountable for what you let happen to them yeah for the most part though like most of the changes that activision blizzard announced um like these are good things it is it is an improvement over the old uh situation and they are uh in line with uh, a lot of the requests from the um a better abk employee group as well there are some things that that I found interesting. Um, in, in particular, the uh, press release from Kodak had a paragraph in it about the uh, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, um, the the federal U.S. agency, which is one of them, one of the agencies suing Activision Blizzard. 
This is also the agency that agreed to an $18 million settlement uh, with Activision Blizzard to make the lawsuit go away. Um, and that's still being contested because other agencies filed suits to prevent that from going through. Um, but Kodak in his, in his letter said, the EEOC's investigative process, public discussion on discrimination and harassment, and your reports and suggestions, uh, your being the employees, helped shine a light on practices we need to improve, policies that need to be strengthened, and new sources we are now adding. The EEOC's review was a catalyst to sharpen our focus on the ways we can become a company others emulate as a model for workplace excellence and one with an unwavering commitment to its values. Now, the EEOC, they found that Activision Blizzard was discriminating against its employees. The lawsuit spells it out pretty clearly. They say that when employees also complained about that discrimination, when they pointed it out to Activision Blizzard, um, they were fired for that. In fired or constructively discharged, you know, like Activision Blizzard made their their work impossible enough to do that it, they may as well have been forcing them out the door. Mm. And that, that was like retaliating for someone uh, for for pointing out that the company's policy and treatment of pregnant workers was against the law and, and, and pushing them out the door and firing them for that. Like that is what Activision Blizzard was doing. Um, now they haven't admitted guilt in, in any of this. The, the proposed settlement was like a, yeah, we didn't do anything wrong, but we're paying the millions of dollars to make it all go away anyways, just cause it's a hassle. Um, but having Kodak here, like talk about the EEOC sort of as like, wow, they really, they really did a good job and, and they're the instrumental to, to the reason we're, you know, improving is, like on the surface, it's just because the California Department of uh, Fair Employment and Housing, their lawsuit uh, is is going, I guess, a bit harder. <laughs> the The agency is going a bit harder against Activision Blizzard. The the DFEH, California DFEH, is are the ones that opposed the EEOC's settlement, um, and the DFEH has also been accusing Activision Blizzard of shredding documents and. And it was their lawsuit that Activision Blizzard initially responded to everything with, with like the the horrible, you know, strident denial of any wrongdoing and, and called the DFEH like, you know, shamefully unprofessional and all, all, all these kind of adjectives that really, you know, you would think would apply to the, the company that's firing people uh, because they complained about how pregnant people were treated. Um and and to have the the to have Kodak on the record praising the EEOC's uh, investigation and and suit here is 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 kind of is kind of laughable and it's as close I think as we're going to get to a, a proper admission of of wrongdoing from from Activision Blizzard on this one but uh, yeah this this actually is a um, these are positive steps forward and and looking at them I. I think they're more substantial than what Ubisoft did. Um, well, more on that in a second. Um, I, I was going to say, like the, the 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 telling sign for me that this is significant and acceptable change is the fact that the ABK the ABK Workers Alliance, so the the group of current and former Activision employees who've been taking the company to task since that first lawsuit was filed back in July, they describe this as a huge win because it, it addresses quite a few of their demands. Um, so to, to bring in the Ubisoft note there that you were, you were alluding to. So over the last couple of days, it's actually been uh, emerged that a better Ubisoft, which is kind of a similar group to the ABK Workers Alliance. They, they This is the thousand or so former and current Ubisoft employees who signed a letter uh, basically calling out Ubisoft, you know, saying, right, Activision Blizzard is in trouble here. You're doing exactly the same things, and nothing has been done to deal with it. Um, we we demand X, Y, Z. Like they would, they want um, the demands were like alleged offenders need to be, or you know, confirmed offenders need to be removed from the company, and they need to stop promoting offenders that are or are still working at the company. They need to get employees more involved with you know ad addressing kind of the the problems with the the reporting the reporting systems. Uh, 
And they called for um, Ubisoft, Activision, Blizzard and other publishers to collaborate on a set of rules and processes for handling reports of abuse, harassment and other offences. Um, they kind of came out after this, you know, after Kotick made his announcement. They've put out a new statement. You know, it's 16 months since Ubisoft has first been accused of, um, you know, having people who are abusive and harassment, uh, you know, harassers in their, within their ranks. 16 months since the first allegations, 76 days at the time of the statement since the Abeta Ubisoft group um, first formed, and their demands had not been addressed. They said in this statement that uh, Annika Grant, who's the chief people officer at Ubisoft, did have a meeting with members of this group that acknowledged some of their responses, but they basically said like there is literally no new information, no word on any steps that they're going to take to address any of this. I believe that one of the quotes used, or a partial quote used, was that um, Ubisoft offers nothing more than assurance that this is going to get better, essentially. Um, so, yeah, to see Activision within... They actually specifically call out the Activision uh, situation. Where are we? In just three months, it seems that Activision have listened to the concerns of employees and acted on them. While our demands are not identical, many overlap and could be addressed through similar actions just as swiftly. Ubisoft offer nothing more than assurance that all investigations are impartial, all sanctions are appropriate, and that victims and witnesses are protected, while offering us no evidence, involvement or oversight in any part of this process. So it's great to see Activision taking steps, actively taking steps to address the problems. It's not fixing all the problems, not even come close, it's only the start of fixing all the problems, but it kind of throws into greater relief how bad the problems are at Ubisoft from the sounds of it and how little is being done or how little seems to be done over there yeah it's 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 a mess and like I don't at at this point I'm I'm actually starting to to wonder about the longer term impact on on Ubisoft with um, they've lost a a considerable amount of talent in the last year and a half um right now seems to be a a real uh employees market a developer's market you know if 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 you're someone with with senior experience on AAA game and all of a sudden you don't want to be working for you know this this company that that harbored abusers for so long and has apparently done so little to fix it and and you know maybe you you don't want to be like on a new blockchain gaming kick that they're going to be pushing and there seems to be startup money just flowing around every corner of the industry now and maybe you're in in montreal and hey look at how many other options you have for for developers to work at and some of them hey they have four-day work weeks that's a nice perk and and it just seems like there are options for for ubisoft talent and incentives to go elsewhere whether it's you know because elsewhere has nicer nicer things to offer or because you just don't like what ubisoft's been doing lately and i i think that's that's has to catch up with them uh I, there's there's a lot of talent that's still there and i'm sure a lot of great people are being promoted by attrition uh at, at ubisoft right now and will do just fine but i i i think uh there's greater awareness in the gaming labor force of just how much better things could be for them and and there's there's less you know willingness to just be grateful that you have a job and and take whatever you know whatever you can get mm. like the igda survey the the developer satisfaction survey that they released recently uh had uh, questions about unionization and like the number of respondents who are actually currently in a union doubled uh, from two years ago. It's now, it was 12% instead of 6%. Um, and then the support for a national union. Um, they asked they asked about a number of different union setups and uh, the support for like national unions in the, in the survey was high 70s, uh, 78%, I believe. And, and that's compared to, you know, 2014 or something when it was, it was above 50%, but it wasn't, you know, like it, it, it wasn't as strong and clear uh, preference. And, and I, even if that doesn't wind up leading to increased unionization in the industry, if that 12% stops and never grows another, another bit, there's still, 
I think a, a growing awareness of the you know the leverage that that creative talent in the industry has, and that they they shouldn't um, they shouldn't settle for for employers that they aren't happy with. So, I've read that letter uh, two times now, and the first thought that I have is back in January, this was the same company, and correct me if I'm wrong, that told us that. They don't need to implement a Rooney rule for their executive leadership when they're, you know, interviewing for people only to come back and say, oh, no, we we are a company whose hiring practices, you know, does its best to hire diverse and inclusive talent. And yet, literally, as we speak, I head down to the leadership page of the Activision <laughs> Blizzard. When you, you literally see the photos of these people, that does not match with what you're seeing. You know, but that's not really Activision Blizzard problem. That's really more of a larger game industry problem. But the reason I bring that up um, is that I think about that and what, you know, Bobby Kotick expressed in the letter. And let's be honest, like, you know, we don't need to beat around the bush about this. And I know Brendan did speak to this, but I want to reiterate this is coming off the heels after being in the public eye for what you've allowed at your company for what decades allegedly. And, you know, we have to be honest that these changes came because you, you can only sweep so much under the rug where you're, you're having multiple, you know, cases. And, you know, even got to a point where with the latest Call of Duty, uh, I don't even think the Activision Blizzard name is on the trailer anywhere. Uh, I, I could be wrong about that. But anyway, uh, back to my point. So I just, I, I, I just think that obviously they understand that with this, is, there's gonna there's gonna be a great deal of skepticism, you know. Like, like Brendan mentioned, like I for one have a great deal of skepticism re- regarding this because even outside the games industry, just in general, when when companies do decide to take action to, you know, look at their talent pool and commit themselves to DEI practices to really do better about that. Um, truth of the matter is within the first couple of years not a lot of them meet those goals that they set for themselves and i'm not really speaking so much you know to to give activision blizzard like a a window but that's a grand undertaking you know they they set their goals but they can literally fall short of that and i'm I'm leaning more on on the fact that they may not because it's a lot of work (laughs) you know and, and this company has a lot of problems going on. Obviously, I, I'm not privy to that, you know, outside of what we see in reports and what have you. But if we're to step back in and look at what was said in that letter. So you're going to increase your your, your workforce to better represent women and gender non-conforming individuals. So to Brendan's point, what that also means is that you have to step back and ensure that environment will you know be safe for them which that letter did speak to that but also at the same time how do you address the fact that your company has been in the news and with giant red flags saying hey people of your respective background weren't really respected here and they were treated very poorly i don't know what kind of <laughs> what kind of magic you have to work to change that public image in five years but i think five years is too short of a window for that to happen uh, personally speaking and also, um, speaking as someone from an underrepresented group, it's like when you say things like this and I click on your leadership page. And, and again, it's not just Acti- uh, Activision Blizzard. It's just larger game industry uh, issue. You say we're about having a diverse and inclusive company. And yet your top executives, the people responsible for all the decisions, I don't see a single person on there that looks like me. What does that tell me? Right. But obviously they did the larger issue at hand here is that if you are to meet these goals, not saying that you won't and you're going to uh, create what sounds like, I guess we'll find out whether or not they're going to create something like pipeline um, programs. Maybe who knows? We'll see it. How, how, how can you tell the public, you know what, you're newly graduated, you're, 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 you're probably um, a young woman of color, you should feel safe to apply here and, and we'll hire you. Because it doesn't really look like that if we're just to go off, you know, what, what, what people are expressing online on Twitter. And I know that's different with the real world, but that that that's where I find myself with this conversation is that you have so much work to do within a short period of time to change your public image. Not to mention, you're still in court for quote-unquote allegations that have told people 
people what's been going on at your company. And you also want to ensure that you're going to be a better company for people from underrepresented uh, communities and, and, and backgrounds. So it to me, it's like, that's a lot of work you're putting on yourself because that was never a priority. Let's be honest. Like that was never a problem or a priority before. But ever since you've been in the news for, you know, very unsavory things, quote unquote, allegedly, now it's a priority. Because now what it is, it's it's PR to fix your public image so you can let everyone know, hey, we're a better company, what have you. I think five years is too short a window for that kind of thing. I honestly, if I'm to be honest, I think they're going to fail. But that's because, you know, just outside of the game industry, when you just read these reports, a lot of companies really don't understand, like, the levels that they really have to commit to address these kind of things. And the timeframes that they give themselves are just too short. And, you know, they fail. Granted, like, you know, the letter did say we're going to get um, progress reports. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, it remains to be seen. I don't know how you fix your public image and, and, and you turn around and tell the very communities and, and people who have been, you know, harmed by what you've allowed, let's be honest, allowed at your company and tell them, hey, you know what? This is somewhere that you want to work. Of course, that's not been the experience for everyone. But what would and this is a note I kind of want to stop at. Would this letter have been released or would Kotick have said that he would he would have his his pay reduced to commit to these changes if those allegations didn't come to light? Would this have happened if what happened in the summer didn't happen? The answer is no, in my opinion. And that's where I am at with this whole mindset regarding this. Yeah. Generally, people need to be dragged to accountability. And and that's that's something that that I'm kind of uh, you were talking Jeffrey about uh, the efforts to to improve this going forward and I I don't know how you can trust that the same person that led the organization into a situation like that can lead you out of it and this is uh, in particular at at Ubisoft uh, with with Eve Gilmo I'm I'm continue to be shocked that uh that he didn't he didn't step down after that the the allegations around that went so high in the company and and across so many different uh studios and and teams uh that i don't i don't see how anyone can trust that eve who in the best reading of events and like the most charitable reading of events was just completely asleep at the switch for decades um and oblivious to all of this i don't i don't know how you can you know trust a, a mr magoo character to suddenly you know see all the problems that need to be seen and and to write the ship and and with with Kodak, i i'm i'm obviously not a fan <laughs> of of bobby Kodak. i think he's got a, a long enough track record of question questionable decisions and and statements that that uh make me not a fan but it's from what i've seen most of the allegations uh around um activision blizzard like the the most significant ones i've i've seen and heard have been from the blizzard division and activision's always kind of prided itself i guess on on the the companies that it merges with letting them keep their corporate culture their company culture and, and not trying to tamper too much. And that's why you don't have, you know, like, oh, this is Activision Blizzard Seattle. That's Activision Blizzard New York or anything like that. It's, you know, you get to stay as uh, Blizzard Entertainment. You get to stay as Vicarious Visions, although that's a bad example because they apparently are, are not. Um, it, it's, it's, there's maybe a layer of plausible deniability there. Um, that I that I don't think is is there as clearly uh, with with Eve Gilmo, considering you know the the they jettisoned the head of Ubisoft Canada, the head of the Ubisoft editorial team, the the global head of HR. Like I don't I don't think that you get rid of these these people. Um, I I don't, I don't think that you have problems with these people that don't make it up to Gilmo's ear. Um, so it's, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm surprised, I guess, at just the, um, the lack of accountability at the highest levels in, in, in these cases that there seem to be, you know, 
the people that fall on their sword are are not the people at the top of the organization. I fully understand Jeffrey's point, and I, I, I absolutely see why there is so little faith in either of these companies writing themselves. Like I, the the chances of them addressing all these problems within a time frame that satisfies anyone, let alone at all, is minimal but there is a tiny part of me that still just hopes that they can do it like um ubisoft obviously uh earlier this year it came out that ubisoft had removed um gender diversity as a uh performance metric for executive compensation executive ball- uh, uh, bonuses and the reason they'd done that and then you know they they replaced that with you know they replaced like you know increase the diversity of um our workforce with uh reducing carbon so it's like you know like let's improve our, our carbon reduction and then make that the goal. The reason they did that, or at least the reason they said they did that, is because they were actually ahead of schedule in terms of diversifying the workforce. Now, I just have to hope that that's an indication that this can be done, that this, these are two of the biggest games companies, certainly in the West and potentially globally. Like They produce... The, the blockbusters that to some can kind of be the face of the industry like you know, like non-gamers you know and, and mainstream people know what call of duty and assassin's creed are maybe they know what far cry is that sort of thing like i kind of you just i just have to hope that these massive companies with thousands and thousands of uh, employees can get their act together and stop harboring these horrible characters because if they can't then what becomes of the what becomes of everyone else at those companies who isn't you know an offender what becomes of these these companies like if they you know brendan as you say there's plenty of startup money we'll see plenty of uh, plenty of new studios likely in montreal but i don't know i just i just hope that this gets fixed i have to hope that this gets fixed because we can't go through all of this revelation and it just be quietly tucked away because that is a, a horribly unhealthy industry if that's what happens no and that that that's definitely true and, and i understand where you're coming from I always look at these, I, I tend to look at these things pessimistically, but I also look at them from a standpoint of, can can you do it? You know, can, can you get to a degree where you're starting to hold yourself accountable? Because tr- truth of the matter is that it, even though you, you know, at this point, listeners have heard me you know, say what I said about that subject. This is how you start. And I, I forget which podcast and who said it exactly, but you do need that proverbial kick in the butt for you to do better. Right. So like, like you said, James, um, hopefully this does start. <laughs> we'll eventually end up to say, Hey, this is a company that, you know, is better representative of the world. You know, there, there's people in charge who, you know, just represents, you know, how diverse their player base is. And the only news we really hear out of them is, uh, you know, new games. <laughs> That's it. But yeah, it, it, it surely something has to start. Um, but to Brandon's point, and, and the same with Ubisoft, I think, but I know we're not really talking about Ubisoft, but it it's hard to think about these things where the person who's been steering the ship is still the same person afterwards, right? How do you trust a quote-unquote leader who may or may have not known that these things happen. Okay, this is our go-to person to help us fix it. It's, huh? You know, but... No, 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 it's good. No, that's a very good point. Very good point. So I sent you guys an email. I shared it with you in the Slack channel. Uh, sometime last week and to quote Anchorman boy that escalated quickly <laughs> um, Brendan you tweeted this email you, you said like do you mind if I tweet this I said yeah, absolutely uh, and yeah it, it took off a bit yeah so this was a um, <laughs> this was a automated email from uh, Ubisoft sent to James about uh, his Far Cry 6 plane habits and uh, the subject line was, uh, you disappoint me, James. And, uh, and then it had a line from the Presidente, the, the antagonist of the game, uh, and said, surely you can do better than this. Like, like thank James for, for leaving Yara in his hands and said, surely you can do better than this with a total of like three hours of playtime was the stat that it pulled out there. And so I shared that in the main group 
saying like I, I think I said something along the lines of like I'm not really sure about this guilt trip from Ubisoft have they not considered the possibility that maybe I'm going to come back later and play it or maybe I didn't enjoy the game because I mean I, I, it, it's not necessarily important why I played three hours but like for the record I played three hours and it was like right this is not necessarily what I want I think I basically played three hours is, is how long it takes to do what I call tutorial island finished tutorial island and it opens the rest of the map and it's like that is a hundred hours of content I absolutely do not have the time or patience for and narratively you can just leave at that point and there's like kind of a secret ending where the main character just leaves and you know the presidente win presidente wins and that's the kind of a the bad ending if it were i thought you know what narratively that makes sense given how much i've spent the last three hours hearing about how this character doesn't want to take part in the revolution i'm not going to take part in the revolution i've got other games to be playing job done so it was really weird seeing like a, a lot of people called this out like you know that, they, that ubisoft have been doing this for years and they've been sending out these automatic emails with your your stats like you know there's usually i th- I, th- I got some from watchdogs legion is like you know london still needs liberating still six districts to go and that sort of stuff and i was like that's fine because that's kind of motivating you to play but the language of this one i know they're doing it in the style of the character but to mock you or to judge you for not playing more and i just 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 didn't sit with me <laughs> sorry Brenda, yeah. you carry on no no so like i i tweeted out pictures of it uh with, you know, James's name blacked out because I thought, like, we were trying to keep him from being identified, but apparently not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, and, no, I, do, I did appreciate the subtlety. And uh, it, uh, the, the tweet said, like, a lot of games are already ruthlessly designed to maximize engagement, but now they email and hassle you if you dare to stop playing them. Follow that up with normalized, letting people stop playing a game if they're not enjoying it. Um, and that did like what uh six seven thousand retweets or quote tweets and a thousand replies and thirty four thousand likes and and it turned like my notifications into just you know an unreadable twitch chat style disaster for days um and and I wrote the this week in business column about it because it it was interesting being on like that end of a viral tweet i guess um because it kind of it's this isn't news to anyone really but social media really takes context away from things you know like i i got a lot of hate over this tweet and most of it seemed to be like of the opinion that this wasn't just something that i took two minutes to you know copy from the work slack and and put a snarky comment on on twitter and and they kind of treated it like this was something that I was crusading for and and had been like just absolutely furious and sobbing in in despair over because I got an annoying spam email and like at the same time that it you know social media turns whatever I say into sort of a a context-free you know easy opportunity for for people to dunk or or for others to like you know quote and retweet and and support and like make it seem like it's a big deal because it's got a whole bunch of thousands and thousands of engagements underneath it um at the 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 same token like i look at the people talking back to me about this tweet and i kind of group them very easily into a couple of different buckets and there was you know the people that support it and it's like okay sure fine that's great and then there were the people that thought it was um too that thought it was complaining about something that didn't merit complaining or or uh that i didn't understand how like an unsubscribe button worked or any of that kind of stuff and the bit about like this you know this isn't worth complaining about I get that. That's that's fine. I'm sure there's, you know, that sounds like a, a reasonable perspective. But the tweets that I was getting saying this isn't worth complaining about were right next to tweets saying the exact same thing, but then with a, you know, a comma and then a slur after it. Um, and so it was it, mostly I was I was being compared to um, women uh developmentally disabled people 
and and children and i i get how you know maybe a functioning adult that isn't behaving like a functioning adult there's actually like okay well yeah maybe but comparing me to a, a woman or a developmentally disabled person seemed to me just to like when you reach for something that is intended to hurt the person you're talking to and the first thing that you think to compare them to are women or developmentally disabled people i think you're telling me a whole lot about yourself and when i see all these tweets and some of them are you know i don't think this is worth complaining about and then some of them are i don't think this is worth complaining about you're like a woman only you know with much harsher slurs uh it it's easy to just kind of look at those as being part of the same mob of people that's coming to yell at you and and that's not good that's not it's not healthy and 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 the whole the whole thing that that i like my point at the the beginning of this when i made that tweet was just that engagement is not necessarily a good thing and it is really tiresome how much of this industry is is focused on engagement above all else you know like like james maybe he didn't like the game let him go just just let him get on with his life maybe he had some personal life issues pop up that keep him from devoting hours to your to your new triple a video game that he already paid for um that you know then, then you kind of let let people have games as a healthy part of their lives don't don't just nag them and nag them to keep going and engage with it and then i i bring it up a lot but there's a um a quote from EA CFO Blake Jorgensen from several years ago uh, about he's talking to investors on an earnings call about how what a great value video games are because you can pay sixty dollars for a new FIFA and spend you know two thousand three thousand four thousand five thousand hours a year playing that game and five thousand hours a year if you do the math is you know that's what fourteen hours out of every 24 hours like every day of the year and when jorgensen brings that up like i don't i don't take that as a hypothetical i think that 5000 hours a year is obviously a drastic extreme outlier but but i i that he would brag about this idea has me thinking like there are people who have actually done that in ea games and if not then they've gotten very close and the thing that that in most gets me about this is that games right now today are designed to allow for that they're designed like that is the ideal situation for them they are designed as as infinite engagement traps as as treadmills that you can ride forever and then the publishers just say you know it's up it's up to the person it's up to the player whether or not they want to engage with us like that at all but then they in designing for that level of engagement they're always trying to bring you back with stuff they're they're always pulling from uh tactics from from other areas like you know gambling with loot boxes uh they're they're when they have a direct relationship with you a, a line of communication they use it to keep bringing you back and bringing you back uh and and it's it's tiresome and i think it, it takes a lot of the fun out of out of playing video games for me um and and it's 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 the reason that we wind up with something like a World Health Organization uh, gaming disorder diagnosis, you know, like whether whether the science behind it supports it or not. But when you when you look, especially as an outsider, when you look at the games industry and how everything is optimized for engagement and how the business models are increasingly byzantine and 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 divorced from any kind of simple value proposition and and how how obfuscated they are how difficult it is for someone who doesn't play a game to find out what's for sale in that game what the value of these things are which virtual currency is the premium one which is earned for free how they interact with the game itself all that stuff is is so difficult to understand and grasp unless you are in the game from the start playing hours after hour after hour 
and 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 getting into that you know engagement funnel and and it's like it's no wonder to me that anyone that isn't already in games and isn't already thinking that this stuff is perfectly normal and just the way things are would look at that and and be creeped out by it and think that's not good that's too much and it's it's frustrating um i guess that it's the the games industry and so much of it and so much of the audience too like th- this wasn't ceos and and designers and developers that were you know spent the the week dunking on my tweet you know this is this is gamers this is gamers that have been sort of uh raised up into this this environment and and buy into it and 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 are even like you know acting as as enforcers when people criticize it and this is this is not good i mean so to compare it to other forms of entertainment like yeah like the the focus on engagement and i grant you i am i am more deeply embedded in the gaming sphere it's my hobby of choice um and and obviously i work in it professionally like but and and i'm very much very much trapped in the echo the games echo chamber section of twitter um but it does feel like like i can't think of any other form of entertainment where yeah this level of engagement is like the be all and end all like um so I, you know, I I read books, you know, those those old paper things that used to tell us stories. I read books. I'm subscribed to a number of um, author newsletters. And whenever I've downloaded a, a, one of their books or I've bought a new book, you never get emails saying, have you read it yet? Have you read it? What did you think of chapter four? Oh, wait, you've still got six, six chapters left. Like there's no, you know, my, my Kindle doesn't send me alerts. Like you're only 23% away through your book. Why not do some reading? No other, like they, they don't do that. Like, films don't do this either. Like, I, I can't remember the last time I was pressured to go to the cinema or to, to watch more TV. Um, like, so the, the industries themselves don't do this. But then, like you said, like, the audience. The audience, like, you know, okay, jokingly, I know plenty of people, you know, like, on Facebook groups where they will call you a monster if you're the one, the, the, you're the sort of person that, that reads the last page first in a book or doesn't finish a book. But, like, you know, books, books are long. Books are, are, um, Books require a lot of time to get through, particularly the longer the book it is, and the and the, you know the, the the more complicated the text. But um, not everyone finishes books. Some people just give up on books halfway through. Like that, that's an acceptable way of reading. Not everyone watches all the way through a twenty-five episode series because you might lose interest. Like, and I don't, I can't think of any other form of entertainment where you can come out and say, "Ah, oh, I tried this, but I didn't really." didn't really get into it or I had other commitments you know like again to kind of further um clarify the far cry. not that I have to justify why I only spent three hours on far cry but I will clarify that it took me about two or three weeks to play three hours of far cry because I have so many other things going on I am low on gaming time so the prospect of a hundred hour far cry game did not appeal is all right this is my natural exit point like I can't think of any other form of entertainment where these problems apply where 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 you're expected to finish every form every piece of content that you start i think part of it is because gaming was for the longest time certainly when i was growing up it was you know in the toy store it was the thing for kids and you were if you were paying attention if you were into gaming then you were well aware of things like the console wars you know the genesis super nintendo um like the media for gaming at that time uh was was largely you know it wasn't it didn't spring from traditional journalism it it was gamers just writing about the stuff that they they cared about and i think um delivering marketing messages for the console makers and the game publishers and there was no sense of responsibility for for their you know stewardship of the culture uh i i think when you were lucky there was a sense of responsibility to adhere to basic journalistic ethics and not you know sell review scores to people things like that but it, it, i think it, it really kind of you, you took a very impressionable young audience and then you just fed them a lot of ideas over and over again about you know technology is inherently better you know more more bits more ram more gigaflops equals a better thing because we are dealing with not a creative medium 
but but a a technical uh, medium where everything gets better as you throw more horsepower at it, and you can like throw stats at one another to prove that the the thing you bought the thing you spent your money on is is the better thing and you know other media they didn't they didn't evolve like that in this kind of in this world of of juvenile fandom uh they they are still affected by it obviously if you you know go on twitter and say something bad about the marvel cinematic universe you'll you'll pretty quickly discover that this this kind of you know, uh, brain dead, got to defend my billion dollar corporate entertainment thing is, is not limited to games, but, uh, I, I think a lot of it is, is because that's sort of the only history games have. It's, it's what they've stemmed out of and evolved from the, the, you know, the first books, the first movies, they, they weren't coming together in the middle of, you know, this, this weird adversarial you know audience driven console wars nonsense um and i think a, a lot of it's still stuck with us today and and a lot of the be, because you had so much of the the original uh games press was um it was young it was enthusiast it was untrained uh and and you had a lot of like objectification of women in in the the press because they were considered you know like who's our target audience 13 year old boys sure well let's just give them what we think they want um and when when you're you know dismissing the the interests or the idea of appealing to half the human population it's it's not that tough to you know sneak in any other kind of dismissal of people who aren't who you consider to be the default, who you consider to be the the proper player. So we got a lot of gatekeeping in in video games like that. And I, I do think that the the games press had been uh, responsible for a lot of it. Not not intentionally so, but it's it's just the way this has grown. And in this instance, like the the press certainly paid a factor here. Like I'm I'm not going to dunk on on fellow journalists because like i appreciate like kind of the challenges at the moment in terms of the amount that there is to cover like a lot of games delayed like it's very kind of slow news year in terms of the consumer facing stuff and therefore like everyone's trying to kind of find new things to report on as, as best they can but even so like i personally wouldn't have thought your tweet as it stood initially was the sort of thing that would become news but it did. And that, I think a large part of the, or, or certainly a portion of the attention you got was because your, um, your tweet was amplified by articles across so many websites, like not just games press either. Like I think, it, I think it blew up in the games press first, but then like it even reached like kind of the gaming sections of non games press. So like I know for the fact that the Metro, the, um, UK newsletter Metro that, uh, ran an article. It's been like on podcasts and like video analyses, like, and that, that, that's not me marveling. Oh, look at this weird tweet that we got viral. Look how far it's spread. That's not that. That is me saying like, you wouldn't have had that level of attention. This tweet wouldn't have caused that as much offense. I don't believe it would have caused as much, as much of an outrage. Not outrage. That's a ridiculous word. As much of a reaction had it not been, yeah, amplified by the press as something that uh, uh, something they're telling their audience. This is something you need to know. Not just your tweet, but like the 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 nature of the emails, which, as so many pointed out, people pointed out to you, and I've heard so many people say, like they are they are very similar to the emails that Ubisoft do anyway. Like, and like, you know, it's it's not uncommon. It's it perhaps badly worded this one. Like, perhaps you know, like they leaned a little too heavily into the character, you know, the character tone with this one. But like, it's a standard marketing email the amount of responses i saw to either articles or to your tweet they're like well you can just unsubscribe it's like yes i know i know i can just unsubscribe we all know that we can just unsubscribe from these things but to see it kind of make headline news you know ubisoft will hassle you via email if you don't play enough far cry 6 like that's not gonna that's that's rallying that element of that audience whether intentionally or not that sort of article is going to rally this this type of audience that you're talking about and that doesn't help yeah Oh, and I, I, I want to point out when uh, when when I say that the uh, when I blame the the, the games press of uh, you know years past, I'm, I'm not like trying to um, excuse myself from that either, really, because I can remember in uh, E3 2000 
uh, was my, because I can remember E3 2001 was the first one I went to and the site that I was writing for at the time um, had hired uh, Playboy models to wander the show floor with, with shirts with the, the logo on, passing out <laughs> condoms branded with the site's name on it. Oh, oh boy. And at the time, I was just like, well, that's that's kind of creepy, but okay. Yeah, mm. whatever. Um, and and I like now I think uh, I'm older, wiser, and I think uh, the the idea that maybe that's not a great thing for, for video games or for the press in general, um, I, I think those are established enough that, you know, maybe we can expect... Uh, younger people to to get the message quicker and to to not need to be like in the industry writing about it for years and years and years before they they kind of think hey a lot of this stuff is gross maybe we shouldn't be doing that you know i i think about the engagement that brendan saw and and you know what people are expressing and i often think about the kind of engagement I see with people in gaming compared to the other hobbies that I have. Um, listeners to the podcast, you may not know, but I also like watching the NBA and WNBA. And it's not the same, but, you know, sometimes you'll see people just go at it. But also, back to the point that Brendan said, it, it it's really interesting to see how people engage with even the slightest criticism regarding anything gaming or gaming adjacent. This was just an email, right? So it's like, okay, this tone was kind of weird. But then seeing all the responses to it was also interesting. And it's like, why, why is it that gaming's like this, right? Because it, it goes back to what, you know, has been said. It's just that this weird, I say weird, but I don't know what's the, the proper word for it. The, the the relationship consumers have or encouraged to have regarding gaming, I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It, it, it it's often you feel as if you have to defend something or make a case for, it, even when it's the slightest criticism. It, it's it's always bizarre. You'll just go on Twitter, you see the most innocent of opinions, and then you just go to the comment section, and it's why. Granted, now, in comparison to the NBA, I can literally say, I don't know, Kyle Lowry is one of the best three-point shooters. Statistically, that's not true, but then people will be in my mentions as well. But th that that's different. Like, w when you just compare the two, it's, just, it's so bizarre. Th that's all I'm saying. It's just like, you'll go by the, the most <laughs> random comment, and you'll just see people almost fighting for their lives in the comment section. It's so bizarre. That's all I had to say. That is all we've got time for. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with your usual episode. Check the podcast feed for previous episodes we've done. So, uh, last month we released some of our GI Live London interviews. So, if you haven't already listened to those, give, a, give them a look. You can find this podcast on all podcasting platforms, the podcasting platform of your choice. And you can find more news, insight, and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. Music